Green Thumbs Rejoice. It's the Bob Olin Show. St. Louis County Extension Educator Bob Olin takes your growing and gardening questions on KDAL. Here we go. The final Bob Olin Show of the spring as summer officially uh, starts tomorrow. Good morning, Bob. Well, good morning, Dave, and you're absolutely right. That beautiful, sunny uh, summer weather we have here. <laughs> yeah, but you need more than just sun to grow things. You need water, too, and boy, are we short of that. Boy, we certainly are. Uh, can you help me out a little bit there? I think longer range, we're looking at the weekend at a rain event. Is that correct? It might be happening this weekend, yeah. On Thursday night, there's a possibility of showers. Uh, also, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms Friday morning, then a chance in the afternoon. On uh, Saturday, partly sunny, again a chance of showers, slight chance of thunderstorms, also cooler temperatures it looks like for the weekend. More showers on Saturday night, and showers actually likely for Sunday morning with a slight chance of afternoon storms. So we could see rain this weekend, finally. Yeah, that that hopefully is a little change in this pattern because it has gotten uh, obviously brutally dry, and we see that uh, evidence everywhere in our urban landscapes in town here, but also, you know, we've got a major agricultural community out there that in northern Minnesota, they feed a lot of dairy as well as uh, beef animals, and uh, they got to have that rain to get that forage coming, get the, uh, the hay produce. So it's been, uh, we started off with all that moisture in the soil, and we went dry pretty quickly, didn't we, Dave? Yeah, since May 1st, precipitation deficits running from 2 to 5 inches around the region in Duluth, 0.84 inches from May 1st to June 15th. That's the lowest ever recorded precipitation for that time period, since uh, June is usually a pretty wet month. Uh, uh, let's see, 4.53 inches below normal now uh, for the month of June yeah. alone. Isn't that interesting? And that's a, that's a record set, a record dry. Yeah. Is that something? Yeah. Well, so Absolutely. Record After a record down. amount of snow over the, over the winter. <laughs> We're all about setting records. Uh, mm. Either one of those I think I could do without, to be honest. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, but, uh, yeah, we can uh, we get a little chance to get deeper into the program where we'll talk a little bit about how people should ration their water out. It, yeah. it appears to me, and it's so unusual, we had this hap- we've had this happen in the past. Typically, as you mentioned, June is our wettest month right. during the summer season, at least, and then July and August things dry down. We've had just the reverse of that, and maybe that'll happen again this year. If we get into July, uh, late June into July, and then uh, we get some rain that does occur. So the whole thing is uh, the fortunate thing about trees and shrubs in the landscape is that uh, we've got a good base of moisture down there from the snow melt. We're just so fortunate we didn't we have that heavy snow without a lot of frost in the ground. It could have gotten us into a lot of trouble if we'd had a lot of frost that was in the ground, and then we got the snow on top of it. In other words, uh, this last year, it happened the other way around with all the snow first with that big blanket in uh, December, which, of course, was so kind of recovered. Grub. People are cleaning up all of the, the tree and shrub damage that occurred from the heavy, heavy snows we had. But nonetheless, it uh, protected the soil so that we didn't get the frost. We had good uh, uh, amount of uh, moisture that did actually percolate down into the soil. So trees and shrubs are in great shape. There's not a problem there at all. The difficulty is, um, of course, the lawns and anything that's shallow rooted is really struggled because uh, there's very little moisture up in the upper levels of the soil at this particular time. So I think that that's where people have to be the most conscious. If you've done any shallow seeding in your gardens, uh, you've got to get some water out to it. And I know that uh, water can be short in some areas, can be expensive in other areas. So, But people nonetheless have to keep these plants going. They have to keep them alive. 
Hopefully, uh, just another short time here. It does sound like that might be uh, a switch in the weather pattern coming into the weekend there, Dave. I right. think that, I actually am pretty encouraged about that forecast. Let's head to the phones. Bob, we've got a question already this morning. Hi, who's this? My name is uh, Rick from Hermantown. Well, I've been listening to Bob for a long time. I don't have a question. I just wanted to tell you, Bob, I've got uh, tomato plants that are six feet tall right now. Whoa. And I've probably got 100 tomatoes. And my first, I'll be eating my first one in a day or two. But I wanted to tell you, you know, I got two, I'm just a hobby gardener. I have two greenhouses, but I build them totally different than the ones you see, you know, and I build them off a building. But also, I wanted to say something about canna lilies. You never talk about them, and I, they're a real easy-to-grow plant. And I, I grow some that are, by the end of the summer, they'll be 10 feet tall. Wow. Well, so, that's just great. Yeah, cannas will take off. And as you say, uh, no, we do. Uh, they haven't talked a lot about those, but I think, and other things in the landscape. But uh, I think that's a good, uh, a good point. Rick, tell me, when did you start your tomatoes? You've got them 60 tall. You've been utilizing those greenhouses for sure. Well, listen to this. You won't believe this. My <laughs> brother starts them in his house in February. He goes into the grocery store, and he the tomatoes, because I heard you talking about this, I think, last week. He takes tomatoes that he likes to eat that taste the best. Then he takes the seeds and starts growing them. And then I take over with them in March, and then I have this greenhouse. I heat it with wood, and then I put them in there. But right now I'm giving tomatoes to my friends that are extra, that are three feet tall, and they're full of tomatoes, and they're just in a little pot. But, yeah, well, there we go. I, That's I start the cannas in February, and I start dahlias in February, the dahlias are already starting to bloom. Well, you're ahead of the season. I think the key is the, key is the greenhouses, and the other right. key is having a, an energy source there with the wood. I assume you, you're cutting that off your own uh, property there, so you don't have a lot of expense. Uh, I think that uh, that is really the key. It's uh, great to hear from you. You're, you're so far ahead of the rest of us, myself <laughs> included, because... Uh, <laughs> We uh, we don't really get our our tomatoes started until just a little later. We won't get them during the season, but we're not going to get them that early. That's for sure. You um, know, and go well, ahead. I'd just like to say one thing. I know you're real busy and stuff, but I'd like to have you look at what I got because I built these greenhouses. You can build them for like a couple hundred dollars, but I think they're way more efficient than the typical greenhouse that people are buying these kits and paint thousands of dollars and they're inefficient well rick we're going to take your number off here and i'd love to see that here's american ingenuity at its finest someone has figured out another way so and I, I have a lot of extra like cannas i'd be glad to give them to you they're already you know like two feet tall you know if you would like right. to try some and you're great uh you know it's a great hobby wouldn't you say uh rick yeah oh of, yeah yeah i mean i'm like semi-retired, but when I really retired, then I could get good at it, you know? <laughs> Sounds like you're pretty good at this point. Rick, would you stay on the line and we're going we're gonna to contact you and uh, I'd love to see what you're doing. 
I've seen a lot of very, very creative gardeners out there, and I think uh, you certainly sound like you're one of them, so we appreciate that. Um, we can talk varieties. We can talk about a lot of different things. So I appreciate the call, and uh, we'll take a look at what you got. I think you're doing some innovative stuff. Thank you, Rick, right. very much for Thank the call. Thank you. Now, hang on the phone, Rick. We'll be right back with you, and we'll have more of the Bob Olin Show coming up on KDAL. And we are back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on uh, 20th of June. And I guess the good thing about uh, not having enough water for the lawn is you don't have to mow it nearly as often. Uh, usually I mow it once a week, and I have not mowed it yet this week. So the only thing growing are the weeds. Yeah, you know, we talked about no mow May. We're getting <laughs> mow May and no mow June here. There you go. <laughs> it's good. Uh, yeah, once again, the great thing about common Kentucky bluegrass in the lawn, and that's really, if you have full sun, that's what you want to get established. There are a lot of fancy uh, lawn mixes up there of different types, and they feature a lot of perennial rise, annual rise, um, even some of the broader-leaved uh, grass varieties. But really the whole world would love to grow uh, our common Kentucky bluegrass, which grows so well in this area. The downside, uh, you know, it does require additional water to keep it lush and green. It does require uh, a fair amount of nitrogen. Uh, nitrogen is a little deficient in many of our soils here, so we really need to have a nice lush blue-green lawn. You're going to have to have uh, some additional nitrogen from some source. Now, you can use organics. Uh, you can top dress, if you like, with, uh, with Garden Green product that uh, our sanitary district produces, or your own compost. If it's uh, fine enough, we don't want to put anything down. If you want, you can pull, um, you know, you can rent it, what we call a plug aerator. You don't want to do this right now. Anytime that a, anytime that it's a lawn stressed, and we're water stressed right now, you don't want to compound stresses. So actually additional traffic, you got to be a little careful right now. You really don't want to drive across your lawn. You really don't want a lot of those big lawn parties out there right now when that, um, when that grass is stressed. Or perhaps if you've had that big grad party on the lawn, uh, maybe a little moisture right now uh, on top of it before even before this rain event to uh, to help it come back just a little bit. So it's multiple stresses that we could concerned about. But you can take a plug aerator, and this is a uh, a device, a piece of equipment that actually pulls cores out, cores of soil out of the uh, soil layer there and leaves the plugs. Hence, they call it a plug aerator. Leaves the plugs on the surface, leaves a hole in the ground. You can drag some seed in there. You can drag some compost in there. Then you get that compost down into that one for the plant. And then uh, typically what happens is uh, a commercial operator will take a, what they call a drag, and that can be like a piece of cyclone fence and just bust some of those after you pull the cores up, after you've dropped in maybe some of the compost, and you can drag it with and break up some of those, some of those uh, soil cores that are on the top. But we wouldn't want to do that right now. Uh, typically in the spring when the plants are actively beginning to actively grow or in the fall, uh, which is really one of the ideal times to establish and work with your uh, perennial lawn species. But uh, spring or fall or, or maybe even in July now when that plant starts to actively grow, it's just we don't want to put uh, one stress on top of another. One Right now we've got water stress, so not a lot of traffic on the lawn. Uh, be a little careful about driving your car even for a short period of time on this crispy lawn surfaces because that can do a fair amount of damage. But hopefully the, one of the nice things about common Kentucky bluegrass is it comes through these dry periods. Droughts is another story. Hopefully we're not at that, we're not at that drought stage because of the moisture we had uh, coming into the spring of this year from last winter's snow melt. But, so we don't really have a, a drought, drought situation. We've got a very, very dry situation. Bluegrass lawns have got underground rhizome stems that hold a lot of the moisture and the nutrients and they will pop back 
So it's one of the real nice things. They'll go dormant but come back for you without uh, having to uh, renovate the lawn to any degree. Now we've had extreme situations where obviously all green plants need moisture at some point, and even though there's, with common Kentucky bluegrass, there's this reservoir of moisture down in those underground stems, the stolons and the rhizomes, and um, it'll come back quite readily unless we really get extremely dry. But hopefully, Dave, I think if you can... uh, if you can do a rain dance for us, we could use a little bit coming here into the uh, into the weekend. Yeah, sure. We are hoping that that's going to be the case. Bob, we'll take another break and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show, 931 already at KDAL. Once again, here's Bob. And Bob, those flowering uh, trees were spectacular for all of about a week, and then they're all gone. That's disappointing. You know, you really have to <laughs> stop and smell the proverbial roses because yeah. uh, this season goes by very, very quickly. <laughs> One of the real disappointing things to me, but they were spectacular, were they not? They were indeed. In fact, when the uh, the white ones fell, it looked like snow on the ground. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, we've got lilacs. Now, it all depends mm. on where you are. If you have right. lake effect, we still have some beautiful lilacs along the lake. I uh, just saw a magnificent display. Lots of different colors. Our common uh, French lilac is uh, lavender in color, purple, and yet there's some just glorious whites. As a matter of fact, in terms of timing, one of my favorite color combinations, some of the white lilac, along with the northern lights azaleas, which we talked about, northern lights azalea being a beautiful pink. The nice thing about um, you could put a couple of those shrubs in, uh, northern lights azalea, the original, I introduced uh, way back when in 1978, and uh, then follow it up with a white lilac, common white lilac, and that color is quite spectacular. They happen to bloom about the same time. And they're going to drop their blooms just about the same time. Mm-hmm. So with both of those, both lilacs, as well as our, I get a, a lot of questions from people about the azaleas and, and pruning them. You know, you, these are woody shrubs, both of them. And, and uh, you really, the lilac, if you wanted to prune it back uh, very aggressively, even to ground level, it will reshoot, so it will re, uh, reestablish itself. The azaleas do not. So you want to be a little careful. If you've got azalea, maybe that's getting a little bit uh long and uh, lengthy on you and you want to prune it back to retain the the stature the the height or the size of it you could prune right now right at um, at bloom drop mm-hmm. and but don't bloom don't prune aggressively on the azaleas uh, they will not pop buds down along that uh, woody stem they won't come from the roots so you got to be a little careful and prune not more than about 10 percent uh, annually if you want to right at the time of bloom drop and, of course, lilacs be the same way. You can prune those down. Uh, you, you, they, they will take pruning a little bit uh, more readily, certainly, than uh, than the azaleas will. But this is time for both, right? At bloom bro- uh, drop, you don't want to bl- cut them earlier because of the, the fact you're cutting off the blooms. You don't want to cut them later because, again, these uh, buds set up in the fall of the year, so you don't want to damage that tree. You want to uh, trim them back right now if you like encourage them. You don't really have to water a lot of these because we're going to get some moisture. They're, they've got a good root system down there, so they did just fine and will continue, provided we get moisture coming into the fall. But we really want to encourage them to uh, re-sprout coming into the latter part of the summer and into the fall when we're going to be setting up the flower buds. So we don't want to go too early with those. If we're going to prune them, we don't want to go too late. This is the ideal time uh, to do that. Dave, we got summer coming tomorrow, as you mentioned. Yep. I happened to look it up. It's at 10.58, just a little bit before 11, tomorrow on the 21st of June. Solstice, incidentally, uh, mm-hmm. 
and I, this was in the same article I happened to read, does stand for, uh, it's Latin for sun standing still. So this is when the sun's <laughs> at the highest point. And take a little look at where it is. It, it points out just how far north we really are. Uh, you'll see where that uh, sun isn't going to be directly overhead, but still in the southern sky, even at, though it's at the highest particular point. That's why you've got sun-loving uh, plants, trees, shrubs, even your annuals, the corn crop, you get a choice. Anything that really needs lots of sun, you want to make sure you've got a good southern exposure because that's where the sun is. And a tremendous amount of daylight this time. You know, uh, Dave, you're really good at giving us sunrises and sunsets there. And <laughs> I think, what are we rising at now about, Dave? Uh, 5.14 in the morning, setting at 9.06. But sadly, Bob, when summer hits, we start going the other way again. Yeah, we don't want to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> that affects all of our attitudes a little bit. I suppose. Yeah. Look at the kind of winter that we had. But isn't that remarkable? Uh, real quickly, so you've got uh, about uh, roughly eight hours of, of uh, oh, yeah. uh, nighttime, and then the rest of the time is daylight, about, what, 16 hours or so. So, uh, Of course, the further uh, north we get, they got the land of the midnight sun up there in Alaska. Yeah, that's so. true. That's very true. The interesting thing, and we've got a lot of uh, Minnesotans, folks from Wisconsin that gravitated north to Alaska, and anyone that's had the great <laughs> opportunity to visit. Interesting, and they have 24 hours of daylight, so the plants do grow in the month of late June and into July, grow right. very rapidly, but they don't have the same kind of light intensity and heat, so it's, right. it's, it's kind of interesting because um, they don't really have uh, the tremendous amount of agricultural productivity or even potential they tried to do a lot of things. They still import a lot of uh, a lot of food into the great state of Alaska, uh, just because it's a challenge to grow. And I was a little bit surprised there. They can get very droughty up there. They don't necessarily. We talk about rainfall. It is rain that really does drive everything. And um, rain and sunlight, water and sunlight, really drive green plant growth. They got plenty of sunlight, but in much of that area, even if they have arable land in Alaska, they don't really have access to a lot of water. Now, uh, you see a lot of rivers and streams, and I even asked a couple of growers, they said, water is our limitation. Uh, I said, how about uh, irrigation? And they all said, well, we don't have a power grid here, and it takes a lot of power really to uh, to, uh, to irrigate uh, any substantial amount. And now they have a little bit of solar and so forth that they can make use of, but it really can't run the kind of irrigation pumps that you need. So we're very fortunate here. We've got uh, lots of uh, daylight. You might want to be got any desire to reestablish plants in the landscape, this would be a great time to do it. There's lots of sun, a uh, great time over the next two, three days here until it looks as if we're going to hopefully get some rain. <laughs> It'll be a great time to spend a little uh, time out night or into the early evening. You can actually go in. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I was out seating uh, after 10 o'clock the other night and, <laughs> and just about uh, with daylight there, a little dim, of course, at that mm-hmm. point, but it's so remarkable this time of year how much uh, daylight we actually do have. All right, we'll take another break, Bob, and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show here on KDAL. All right, Bob, you mentioned that, uh, well, that Kentucky bluegrass will uh, be able to survive this uh, lack of water situation, but a lot of plants may not, so you want to get some watering down, right? Yeah, you really do. And then think a little bit about shallow rooted plants, which don't have the bluegrass, obviously, is shallow, relatively shallow mm-hmm. rooted, but they've got these underground uh, rhizomes, so they're really a true perennial. It's the annuals that come from seed every year that don't have any kind of a storage uh, mechanism there. Now, dahlias and kellas, we talked about that a little earlier, thanks to Rick's comments, but they've got storage uh, structures there. But it's, it's annuals that just have a root system. So 
if you're direct seeding, you, uh, you put out some lettuce, beets, carrots in the garden, that type of thing. Um, maybe you wanted to try just uh, direct seeding. There are many annuals you can direct seed, like marigolds and so forth. You really don't have to have the greenhouse to get that going. You can direct seed them out in your flower gardens. But it's easy that a shallow root that you may have just seeded recently that uh, it can be very, very dry on you. And I, I had a question from someone the other day where they'd lost their carrot crop. And, I, again, there's enough time certainly to, to reseed and replant. As a matter of fact, this might be a real good time if you had that difficulty where things dry down you, down you uh, let's get some uh, seed out there. Uh, there are so many vegetable crops that uh, we put in at a quarter of an inch, eight, three-eighths of an inch, um, everything from radishes to uh, uh, certainly uh, a lot of our herbs go in very, very shallow. If you want to grow a lot of basil, it all goes in a quarter of an inch. Anything where you're under a half an inch, uh, you're going to have to be very, very conscious about your water. Uh, that seed can break. Uh, make sure you water thoroughly and uh, get in there and dig your finger around in the soil because you say, well, I've had a sprinkler on there and uh, I must have a good inch of water. And when you take a look, you've got maybe a eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch surface can be wet that dries down very quickly, particularly when we've got uh, wind. Wind in exposed areas uh, can really dry out soil surfaces very quickly. So be a little aware of it. Uh, don't be discouraged if you lost something. I think, uh, you know, every particular seed goes in the ground at, at a different level uh, this year because we had some subsoil moisture. We tried to go a little deeper, so that would mean putting uh, certainly your sweet corn in at maybe two, two and a half inches. You could even go as, as uh, deep as three inches there to capture some of, the, uh, some of that moisture. Can't go too deep. That seed obviously has got to get out of the ground with the energy that's stored in the seed. But you have a little bit of a range, and uh, when it's dry on the surface or you're projecting drier conditions, we like to go down into the, uh, the deeper end of that range. So uh, you take a look at the, any number of your vegetable crops. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to get started early, but if you had trouble, uh, come in right now, reseed. I think this is a great time. Even if you haven't, you know, graduation party, busy time of year, the garden mm-hmm. got away from you a little bit, I think that... Uh, uh, you still have this opportunity coming in here, certainly up until about the 4th of July, to get going with some things. And many of these annual crops, Dave, they they come very quickly. Now, you mentioned the fact that uh, light is going to decline, so they'll be a little slower in terms of their growth habit. Uh, but nonetheless, we've got plenty of season left. So get out there and try to get in under this rain over the next several days if you possibly can. And uh, you'll be rewarded just a little bit later in the season. You know, uh, it, it's kind of interesting that some of the people that have gotten started here. I Down at the morning of Grandma's Marathon, I got down there, got friends that run in that event. I used to run it myself, had some good times down there. So I uh, spent some time down there, bumped into Tom Hansen, who was uh, wow. one of your colleagues there at KDL. And, you know, he didn't do much gardening. His wife was the gardener, but he... <laughs> He said he got the bug, yet he had better pick. He sent me a couple of photos of his emerging sunflowers and wow. the, the great joy that, that comes from just uh, plants that begin to emerge. So, uh, you know, being outside, we talk about uh, the health benefits of gardening. I really think being out in the natural environment, all the sunlight, the fact that uh, psychologically when you're successful, it can be very, very gratifying. I think that's one of the little uh, underappreciated aspects of gardening. And here was Tom. So excited, he sent me a couple of photos again of sunflowers just breaking through the surface. This gives me so much joy and excitement. And I kind of feel uh, the same thing. I get a little carried away sometimes uh, with my gardening enterprises. I try to remind myself that smaller oftentimes is better. 
And I see some tremendous productivity that comes from small plots, just uh, even containers that can give you so much joy. So we talk about uh, some of the struggles uh, that many people have in a, uh, you know, a modern society with a lot of virtual stuff going on, uh, a lot of screen time. Uh, Whatever you can do to get outside, I think, will pay, uh, pay big dividends. And those that really have the gardening bug, I say to myself, I got a little addiction there, but compared to some of the other addictions people struggle with, I think gardening is probably a good one to have because you reap all the benefits that come from it, Dave. Well, Bob, I'll have to send you some pictures of my uh, plastic flowers, too, when I get a chance. <laughs> well, you can send me pictures. I've got a tree about the Harrelson apple. you got that great Harrelson, of course. Which, yeah, sadly, the tree this year is uh, is going to take a year off, it looks like, so. Which is okay. Well, there's a few gave apples to so many people. I know it. So much productivity. We're we're going to have to get everyone to reciprocate. And make sure you've got enough apples. <laughs> I'll have plenty just on the few that it's going to give me this year. We're at uh, nine fifty. We'll take another break, Bob. We'll be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show on KDAL. And we are back with the final portion of the Bob Olin Show here on a Tuesday. And uh, Bobby, got any corn going this year? How's that looking? Well, yes, we have corn going, and right. we managed to pop it out of the ground, and uh, we've got one little shower there, so I'm, uh, I got my fingers crossed. They right. say rain, makes, rain makes grain, but if we can get uh, <laughs> this weather on the weekend, I will be very, very, very thankful for sure. Well, remember, it has to be knee-high by the 4th of July. <laughs> In my case, well, I'd leave that to Rick. If you can start it in the greenhouse first, I think. There you go. It's a little hard to do that, but nonetheless... Uh, yeah, it, you know, it's interesting because we can grow some spectacular uh, sweet corn, actually, in the mm-hmm. area, mainly because uh, we've got cooler nights. You, you know, even when you look at our temperatures, they're not really that extremely hot yet, are they, Dave? So we're we're getting lots of light. We're getting uh, cooler daytime temperatures and cooler nighttime temperatures, and that tends to retain color and sugar, so it retains the color. You mentioned, the, um, you know, our, our landscapes are just so magnificent. Same thing with annual flowers. Uh get out there and plant some of these things and just appreciate them you know we have about one good month and a half of uh, a real good annual color flower there and really have to take advantage of it but it's so much better here and of course people that have been up into canada you see the spectacular displays that they have when there is a little bit more light so it's that combination of cool uh bright light and extended periods of some spectacular colors so you know, we talk a lot about our shorter growing season. It is shorter here, frost to frost, than it is other places. But uh, I don't think we need to take a backseat to anybody. We can do some uh, some great things in this area. Need a little rain, yeah. and hopefully that's coming up. You know, Dave, I mentioned the fact we do think I, it looks to me like for the first time I'm kind of optimistic about uh, this rainfall event coming up. We've had okay. chances of showers. I, I don't like that description of the chances. <laughs> I never was a very lucky guy, and these pop-up showers I always seem to miss me, so I've been very dry where I'm growing. But I think that uh, uh, showers likely, I like that, that that terminology from the weather service a whole lot better than just chance of showers. And we've got showers likely certainly coming into late uh, Saturday and into Sunday. Right. Don't hesitate. Try to get, uh, if you're going to be doing some seeding, whether it be flowers or whether it be lettuce for your uh, salads or radishes go ahead and seed but try to get that in while the soil's dry and before the showers transplants particularly if you got light showers and don't mind putting on a raincoat uh, putting transplants in whether it be trees shrubs um, other transplants that you've grown out in your greenhouse or other places um, just put them in in the showers it's the ideal time to be transplanting it's slightly cooler 
you got the moisture. In many cases, you don't have to water in, but uh, don't be fooled by these forecasts. If you're putting a transplant in, particularly an annual crop from transplants, uh, make sure you got that hose there because mm-hmm. I've been fooled many times myself. We assume that the, the rain will water it in and then we don't get enough rain. So give them a good shot. Uh, another quick little tip, you've got transplants that you've grown out or you've uh, purchased from the local greenhouse. Uh, make sure you water them first. They, you know, they typically will water them daily, but they're very light soils. They're grown in peat mixes. Yeah. So before you stick anything in the ground, tree, shrub, or an annual plant in a, what we call a cell pack, a plastic pack, get out there and everything should be real moist. That soil should be very, very wet when you put it in the ground. Then you've got a basis, and then come over the top, whether it's an apple tree you're putting in or it's uh, maybe some of new azaleas that you're going to plant. Uh, make sure that you get water down in the bottom of the hole on these bigger woody materials. And then as you're adding the soil, make sure that entire what we call soil profile is moist so that that, that plant can take off. But transplants going in uh, certainly on the weekend or, or slightly before annuals while the soil is still dry. Great opportunity. Lots of sun, lots of season left here. So go ahead. If you haven't even started, maybe you never even had a chance to work up a garden plot. Don't get discouraged. You'll be very glad you did it a little later in the season. Dave. Yeah, good time to get out and buy, too. A lot of the places get a little bargain on your trees and shrubs about this time of year. Yeah, they do. That's a very right. good point. They don't want to hold them any longer. Mm-hmm. They like to move some of them, so it's a good opportunity to, to do that and a good opportunity. Season isn't over yet, and go and take advantage of it for sure. All right, we got the uh, farmer's market we got to talk about tomorrow and again Saturday, right? Yeah, Wednesday, of course. Uh, Wednesday's 2 to 5. Uh, product beginning to coming in, and mm-hmm. I'm sure we talk about transplants. Many of our growers uh, do grow out transplants for sale, a lot of good uh-huh. varieties there. And the product's beginning to come as soon as we get in July. Of course, that's our major summer season. So that's 14th Avenue East and 3rd Street. And then on Saturdays and on Thursdays, we've got the Civic Center Market. So there's a that's lot right. going on, lots of different places, and this is all locally grown product. And uh, I know that local growers struggle just like any of our gardeners do. And uh, they always appreciate the customer comes out and supports uh, the local uh, growing and farming community. All right, Bob, as usual, uh, another great show. And uh, keep your questions, I guess, for next Tuesday. You'll be back, and it'll be, uh, well, we'll be well into summer by next Tuesday. We will be well into <laughs> summer, and hopefully we'll, we can talk about the nice rain we had on the weekend. Ah, there you go. We can certainly hope that way. Okay, Bob, have a good day. Thank you. You as well, and our listeners enjoy those gardens. They're spectacular right now. The Bob Olin Show has been brought to you by Dan's Garden Center, located inside Dan's Feed Bin on Hammond Avenue in Superior, and by Matilda's Dog Bakery and Pet Nutrition Center in Lakeside across from the Lake Walk. News, weather, sports, 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL.